0: Getting you set for everything Cardinals. It is second game as a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mack. Out there, Danny! On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop jimbutlerkia.com. <laughs>
1: Welcome into to the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. A reminder that I have scoops with Danny Mac daily at 10 o'clock on 101 and also the Redbird Report, which is heard every Monday night at 6. Coming up on this show, Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the Cardinals beat writer, Rick Ankeel, the pitcher-turned-outfielder, and you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Randy and Michelle on Carriker and Smallman from this morning about the potential return of baseball and another weekend has come and gone there is no deal the owners are steadfast in making sure the season doesn't go past October the World Series needs to be done by November 1st and there's two reasons for that the potential of a second wave of the coronavirus and they don't want to go head to head with the NFL if all these sports come back where do they exist on television so this is another crucial week for the sport do the math If there's three to four weeks of spring training, then that would presumably mean no opening day by July 4th. MLB, they say 50 games if the players insist on their full prorated salaries. If the players would take another cut, then baseball would have more games. Top baseball writer, Ken Rosenthal.
2: They say they are tired of giving and giving and giving in various ways to the owners, and this is where they're taking their stand. Do I agree with it? Not necessarily. In my view, these two sides should be trying to form a partnership and treating this as a one-off, an unprecedented occurrence, but they are trapped in their own histories. They're trapped by the perils of their relationship from the past, and right now, they're having a hard time moving forward.
1: Baseball could have been the first of the leagues to come back, and that's in question. For instance, if they implement the 50-game schedule, then it could coincide with both the return of the NBA and the NHL, and they'll be in their post buster only of ESPN.
3: If they don't play baseball this year, all they're doing is deferring all of these ugly labor questions with the cba set to expire in december 2021 into next spring and then you bring in the potential of a player strike and then you do bring in the potential for owners playing the long game and saying you know what we got the bigger pilot ships we'll wait out the players until we get a financial system that we really like that's why you do hope in the next 48 72 hours that the owners start the process and that the players take advantage of it and they can find a middle ground. They've already done enormous damage to the sport, but they can limit it if they actually get back on the field in a collaborative way. Well, there's been
1: damage to the sport, but we have short memories. If baseball came out today and said, we have a financial agreement, most fans would say, well, that's negotiations and it happens in every walk of life and business. I don't like it, but hey, they're playing. And I truly believe we're going to have baseball this summer. There's too much to lose, but more games would be better than 50, and 50 would be better than nothing. Buster only with more.
3: I think there's no doubt that there are some owners who would rather not play at all because the more games they play, the more money they lose. If their payrolls are at a certain level where it just out far outstrips how much money they can make in revenue. On the other hand, the players are, are saying... That, that they just will not play unless they get their full prorated salary on a daily basis for however many games they play. The worst case scenario for me would be if there was no baseball at all, but I think the second worst case scenario would be if what you see attempted is that Major League Baseball attempts to ram like a 48, 50 game plan down the throat of the players because there are certainly a lot of ways the players could derail that and I i fully expect based on my conversations with players with agents that there would be players who would simply opt out of it
1: let's just say it's a 50 game season is it worth a team starting the clocks of their top prospects for argument's sake they would get a year of service time a year closer to arbitration and then free agency Derek Gould of the Post Dispatch my guest this past Friday?
4: I think it depends on the team. I think you're going to see some fascinating decisions yeah. based on what it has put into 2020 and what a team wants to get out of 2020. Some things, uh, Dylan Carlson is an example, right? Like, First of all, we need to know the rules. But for a young guy being in the majors, is that 50 days of service time? Is that 82 days of service time? Or is each game some prorated number of a 183 days in in um in the majors if so then you might see you know teams put like a Dylan Carlson on the taxi squad right so that he's available and then whatever it is games in eight games 12 games in have him come up because they've minimized that window
1: you'll hear more with Derek coming up and it's not only Dylan Carlson but it's pitcher Zach Thompson and Cody Whitley in a normal season all three might have been up by this time each team will have to answer this differently The Cardinals could win the World Series this year. You don't know. They have as good a chance as anybody during a short season because of the pitching. The question for the Cardinals or the Padres or the Rays or other teams that have great young talent, is it worth it? Is that a legitimate championship? If it's 50 games, do you exhaust all options to win? Do you feel better about doing that if it's 82 games? Those are some of the questions that teams will have to answer. Another will be, are players ready to play? Rick Ann Keel, a Florida native, was a guest of the show late last week. I
2: think fortunately for the guys, at least who are down here in Florida, um, you know, they do have somebody to play catch with and they can put a hitter in there and still be social distancing. And so I know that they've kind of done some sim games, but done it in the right way. Um, And then, you know, obviously for guys who don't have that access, I kind of feel bad for because when you look at uh, baseball trying to ramp up and get going and maybe there's going to be a shorter spring training, you know, are those guys at risk or behind the curve. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays
1: out. Interesting stuff. If you listen closely, he said guys are playing in simulated games. We're going to talk about that coming up. Rick Kia will be my guest on the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. More of the
0: Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler-Kia.
1: One of my all-time favorite players to watch and to be a part of broadcast with, and to uh, now just have the chance to talk to is former pitcher, outfielder, slugger, and uh, one of St. Louis's favorite when he was here in town a couple of different times as a pitcher and as an outfielder, and that's Rick Ankeel, who's down in Florida at his home. Here we are in St. Louis. We're all dealing with the virus. We're all dealing with something that we miss, which is baseball. Rick, great to hear your voice. How are things going?
2: Oh, they're good. Um, I can't complain. You know, I like you said, everybody's you know, we've been quarantined. We've been this, with have been that. I think just for me, trying to look at it from a positive uh, viewpoint, I've got a chance to bond um, with my kids and family, I think a little bit more than I would have if things would have been normal, so to speak.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that I think this has completely changed the outlook for a lot of different players, uh, meaning they found out what a taste of retirement might be like. And now they're going to say, you know what? I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my in laws, maybe, but this is (laughs) going (laughs) to make. I want to get back out on the field and and do what I know what to do, which is baseball. I really think it may change the mindset of some of these players. What do you think?
2: I think you're exactly right. Um, You know, I can tell you my experience when I first stopped playing, I thought this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I'm going to fish, I'm going to golf. I got about into July of what it would have been, you know, of that season um, and realized this doesn't work. It's not what it's all cracked up to be. I need to go do something and be busy. This stinks. So I would think so. I
1: agree. I think it's also about a purpose, right? You know, if you're a ball player or any professional athlete, you wake up, you work out, uh, you have your routine, and of course you love your family, and of course you want to be around your kids. But it's about that routine and purpose. And when that's gone and it's not you making that decision, it's kind of like retirement sometimes. It's got to be very, very tough. you think that's a, a fair assessment?
2: I do. I, I absolutely do. I think you know for you know, I definitely think it'll make them appreciate the opportunity, everything that comes with it. Um, you know how it is. sometimes I, I think you you just get into the dog days of summer and it's like, ah, oh, another game, another game. And the playoffs are exciting, but you know sometimes you can go through the motions, whether whether you want to admit it or not. and something like this can just I, I think like you said, really open your eyes into what it's like to not to be able to have it.
1: One of the best things for me working with you that you made me realize, and Jim Edmonds did it too, is um, watching you guys, not that it came easy, because being a professional player is extremely hard. You're just extremely gifted and the best in the world at what you do, but your appreciation for the actual game of baseball. So as we kind of look at this being taken away from us right now, what do you miss about the game of baseball from Ricky Kiel's perspective? What is it about the game that you miss right now?
2: Well, I just love watching the competition. Um, you mentioned routine. Well, even being on this side of it, um, you know, routinely at night, I've always – I know exactly what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to watch the Cardinals or I'm going to watch another team that I like, maybe a pitcher matchup, whatever it is. But I got something to look forward to where now, it, you know, I've completely had to change that routine. So that's been different Um And not even from a professional baseball standpoint, but I miss watching my kids play Little League, which is, you know, got really exciting. And they're kind of getting into that fun stage where they're starting to love to compete. And then we could come home and watch a pro game and talk about the way those guys are doing it, how they're fielding the ground ball, how they're leading off a first or whatever. And it was kind of, you know, it's something that we got to do together and experience together. And now, you know, without it, it's another one of those things where you look at and you're like, man, this, you know. It, it sucks not having
1: it. Rick Ankiel is my guest. Um, the state of Florida was one of the first teams to, or rather first states to open up. What What's it like down in Florida dealing with the virus?
2: Um, It's been a really long hurricane. You know, I, I think as a Floridian, you're used to, you know, a hurricane comes through and you know, maybe a week afterwards, um, there'll be curfews, Uh, you might not have power, but it's just kind of a similar feeling. And obviously, this just feels like a really prolonged way. And then it's been interesting. um, You know, when you go out and everybody has a mask on, it just I feel like it feels awkward. Um, Even though it's the right thing to do, it's just it's just different. And And I just try to keep reminding myself that you know, this is what it's, it's going to be for now. And it's, um, you know, I try not to get wrapped up in it too much, but it's just going to be different. That's what it is.
1: How do you think the players are are dealing with this? And I know you still talk to a lot of players. How how are they able to keep themselves sharp? For instance, if you're a, a veteran and you've made a lot of money, you've got a home gym probably, and you've got some access to things that the lesser players don't. So as you talk to these guys, how are they trying to stay busy and stay sharp if, and when they get that call?
2: um you know i think it's been like you mentioned i think it's different for each guy but I, i've seen some funny things where guys would um might have been sean Doolittle. little i see him doing walking squats carrying his dog um <laughs> you but gotta I do what you gotta guys, do that's it they're just trying to uh come up with ways to keep themselves strong and um you know i think fortunately for the guys at least who are down here in florida um, you know, they do have somebody to play catch with, and they can put a hitter in there and still be social distancing. And so I know that they've kind of done some sim games, but done it in the right way. Um, and then, you know, obviously for guys who don't have that access, I kind of feel bad for because when you look at uh, baseball trying to ramp up and get going, and maybe there's going to be a shorter spring training, you know, mm-hmm. are those guys at risk or behind the curve? So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out.
1: You offer great perspective on this, but coming back and if there is a short spring training, as you mentioned, um, how will position players be able to come back? And then, how do you think you know pitchers will be able to come back in in a short amount of time?
2: Uh, you mean like what? What do I think their performance will be like?
1: A little bit of that, and also when they're game ready, just ready to play the game at, at a you know regular major major league season game.
2: You know what? You know, you think about it, and i, I feel like uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. I think, honestly, I think some guys will probably be okay, and other guys they may struggle, and, and they might not know until how they until you get out there. One thing I think that is going to be interesting is no fans. Um, you know, we've talked about this a lot, and and I feel like you know as you get into the league, to the playoffs, the emotional. Uh, uplift you get from being in that playoffs atmosphere is like nothing else. And, you know, I think even to start the season, right, the fans, the crowd, everything that like gives you that extra adrenaline isn't going to be there. So I'm interested uh, from a mental standpoint to see who can ramp themselves up without the extra stimulus.
1: How do you do that? What what If you're playing a coach or a mental coach or part of a coaching staff, which you did in spring training, how do you get guys – to be mentally sharp and ready and active, you know, and excited to play the game. If there's no fans.
2: Well, I think you got to go through the the mental process of it and be like, look, these games count. You know, this isn't just fake games. You know, this is, this is real and you need to dig in, put yourself in this killer mind, you know, mindset where you're out there and you're going to do whatever it takes to get that guy out or focus on getting a hit, whichever side you're on. Um, You know, I always like to mention Max Scherzer because when you watch him, um, you know, he's – you can just see it, right? He's yelling at the hitters. He's yelling at himself. Um, And not that other guys that are quiet aren't that determined or focused. But I I think just for me, I'm looking at someone like him and saying, hey, you know, what are you you telling yourself and how are you getting there? What are you doing? Um, Because he seems to be able to elevate himself no matter what the situation is.
1: It's – Odd question here. If I'm talking to Rick Ankeel as a 20-year-old phenom or I'm talking to Rick Ankeel, father of two, and has been through Major League Baseball, I might get two different answers with this question. Do you think players understand uh, the responsibility? and This is not a normal CBA. This is a pandemic you're trying to come back from, and fans are just craving sports. Do you think they understand the responsibility and the importance of what it would mean to come back and play, even at a reduced salary?
2: You know, I sure hope they do. Um, I would, I would think most of them do, right? Because everybody's dealing with the same thing of being quarantined, mm-hmm. and you're listening to family who's missing this, and God, I can't wait to get, to get you guys sit, um, watch you guys play. Where, you know, was when I was just watching all the golf that just came on. Um, recently, I thought that was fantastic. Um, I did too. I love seeing the competition. Um, I honestly like that format better than I liked watching a normal golf tournament, to be honest. But that's me. Yeah. Um, but I would think the way that they, you've seen everybody rally around, I mean, there's so many eyes watching it. And when you look at it, you know, I guess you could look at it from any standpoint, but, you know, sports bring hope. Um, but not only that, I mean, there's, if, you know, these guys do get a chance to go out there and play, you're going to have so much many more people watching the game right that, that's got to be exciting um to know that you might be able to really grow the sport because there's not many other things going on for people to do or watch
1: ricky ankio my guest as a player not as a pitcher but as a position player would you be opposed to wearing a mic if if you were asked to do that
2: no would no, you i, I yeah. definitely would yeah i think it'd be fun And do you think
1: some players, though, get cautious because they're afraid to give something away or, you know, they might say something that is not, you know, PG rated, which is going to happen. And you would think that the truck is going to make sure that they splice it up to where they don't embarrass a player. But I don't know, man. I think it's like all bets are off. The canvas is open and you have to have buy-in from the players. I would hope that they would buy in and say, let's do it, let's have fun with it.
2: Yeah, listen, I know just from my experience of, you know, and sometimes guys will do that on the bench. Um, you know, it's, it's I think there is a little bit of fear of like, OK, you know, maybe you say something you shouldn't say on national TV. But it's almost like all the other guys get scared, too, because you never know what they're talking about. Not thinking that anyone's listening to them, um, and maybe saying something they shouldn't either. But I think it's entertaining. I mean, you know, when um, was it in spring? I seen a couple guys, maybe Freddie Freeman had a mic on for an inning or something. A few other guys, maybe, but I thought it was great. I
1: loved it. In terms of, and I've been kind of critical of Scott Boris during this process, and here's here's my thought process, okay? So hear me out before you yell at me. And Ricky Ankiel was a top client of Scott Boris, (laughs) is that I think, you know, with all the leaks that have been coming out on both sides about the economics of a potential agreement, I don't know. I, I just think it's a lot of noise. I'd rather just hear from the Players Association, their head or executive committee, and I want to hear from the commissioner. And Scott clearly has got a lot invested with so many players. I mean, hell, he signed over a billion dollars worth of contracts last year. So, you know, players get cut, he gets cut. My question to you is, for the for the fans out there, what is it about Scott Boris that makes him such a great agent? Because there is no doubting he's an incredible agent and does everything for his players. You were one of them. What is it about him that makes him so good?
2: Um, I think the first thing is, um, he he's he works for you, and you can trust that. Um, you know, as a as a player, sometimes you hear some stories here and there that maybe agents are cutting back deals with some of the teams, and maybe a little friendly. Um, you know that Scott is trying to get as much as he possibly can for you. He's fighting for you. Um, you know, the other thing is is the you know the company that he's built, the support system that he has um for you for the player is unlike any other any other agency that i've seen um i mean you name it they're there for you they try to help you on every side of the game whether it be media off the field in the off season you know even for me um going through the book process um, they helped me tremendously um you know even now going with them uh, kind of working on the movie stuff if something ever comes with that but they're there in my corner and i would have no idea to how to go out there and, and try to sell the movie or sell the rights and all that. And I know that I can trust them and they're, they're there for the player. They really are.
1: I'll wrap it up with this Ricky and during spring training. And it seems like an eternity ago was doing TV with me. So we we're doing some games, but also you were in uniform and had a different role with the club and, and various roles in, as being a coach. Um, now that you reflect on that, you've had a chance to kind of take it in. Do you want to go one direction or another? Did something pique your interest as you reflect on that experience in spring training?
2: Um, I can tell you this. I, I liked, I still love both. Um, I definitely enjoyed being in uniform and being around the guys. It's just nice to get in there and, and, um, you know, you feel like you're a part of the team You get to know the guys. So maybe you're not such an outcast, um, you know, there's just you know all the all the a ton of young guys that I didn't know, right? Got a chance to say hi, shake their hand, maybe learn something about them, and you know, vice versa, they can see me and say, okay, you know, maybe he's okay, or maybe they didn't like me. I don't know, but um, it was it was definitely good just to be down there, kind of learn the new games, the new ins and outs, um, everything that's going on with the analytics. So um, I enjoyed it, um, and I don't know. I can't say that I'm leaning one way or the other. Um, I just know that I. Liked both, and I want to be involved with the
1: game. Absolutely. And I know the Cardinals want you involved, and we want to see you back up here in St. Louis because that means we have baseball. It's always good to hear your voice. Miss seeing you, man. And and hopefully, we'll be doing some baseball sooner rather than later. And thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Rick Ann Keel on The Redbird Report, one of the great stories in sports in recent memory. When we come back, it's a visit with Derek Gould, an update on what the Cardinals are thinking about some of their young players, where we're at in baseball and just everything that is Major League Baseball. Derek Gould coming up on the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN.
0: We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia.
1: Every Monday through Friday on 101 ESPN, I host Scoops with Danny Mack. That's at 10 a.m. last Friday, had the chance to visit with Derek Gould at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. First question I asked him, where are we right now with Major League Baseball and trying to get back on the field?
4: I think we're in a prolonged staring contest between the owners and the union. Um, you know, the the financial aspect and the the press releases and the leaks and the rhetoric that has gotten all the attention. Um, but there is a significant conversation to be had, too, about the health um, factor. Um, you know, baseball is in a different spot than these other leagues. And I, I, and I know that it's not what baseball fans or even like St. Louis or sports fans want to hear. Um, but there is an element or there's a strong element of truth to it that the other leagues have gotten back and had a head start because they had some of their season. Um, you know, the NBA, the NHL, those owners had revenues in place. Those players had made a vast majority of their salary. Uh, for their season, you know, if you know when you consider it on a game by game basis. So, you know, they were well into their season. That means they were well into their wallets with revenue. Uh, baseball wasn't uh, baseball when this hit um, baseball was at, you know, had sold tickets, but now has refunded most of those tickets. Um, you know, players are not paid during spring training. So they were getting their per diem or their stipend and that's something but it's not their salary. Um, So, you know, baseball was starting from behind the the gate where all these other sports were starting closer to the finish line. And that is it's been complex for them to get over. Um, So, too, has been an agreement in March, Dan, where the players agreed to take prorated salaries based on the number of games, which makes a lot of sense. That's how it works. Um, And they want that. And owners are saying, well, that's based on revenue with fans in the stands and that's not happening. So let's do something different. And that's where the the, kind of the the deadly embrace, as they call it, is right now. They can't get past that. And meanwhile, the, the safety and health aspect is, is significant and that's on the other side
1: the PR aspect of this with the other sports returning base yeah it. I mean your perspective of this because you you make a living off this you you cover it daily 365 days a year the PR aspect of this has just been terrible hasn't it
4: yeah I think there's two elements of that and I don't I think mean, you know I think that's the TikTok of the media coverage um you know with like you know, like covering the play by play of a boxing match, right? Uppercut landed here, you know, uh haymaker there, body blow, body blow. Um, it, it just gives the the fans and the perception that these they're these wild swings of this pendulum. And and there 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 are, but that's how negotiations happen. You know, if you were to um, sit in with the NHL negotiations, um you know, you, you would probably see a narrower band of that swing because again, they had so much of their season played, but you would still see disagreements. Yeah. Um, You would still hear, you know, you would still see them carving out their their land that they're not going to move from. Um, I, I see the shape of an agreement between owners and players in baseball because they have staked out the perimeter. That's what's happened is we have seen them stake out the perimeter and we, and, and to be honest, like, This is a lot like negotiating in free agency or negotiating as prompted by arbitration. Um, You know, both sides start with the extreme of what they want. You know, you hear it all the time. This player is looking for nine years and three hundred and fifty million. Well, this team is willing to offer him six years and two hundred and fifty million. Oh, look, they ended up at eight years and three hundred million. Shocker. Um, You know, it's just like it's just. the the sides are carving out where they want to be and owners have revealed a lot about their finances. I think far more than the the players have in this regard. And and that's to the benefit of the players. They want to know more about what owners, uh, you know, find as revenues, what owners make as revenues. That is information that they can get today that they can use next year when they have a CBA to negotiate and use tomorrow when they're trying to get the game back. This, this is, valuable information for them and it might hurt the pr to get it um it might look like they're trying to draw every last dime but i think really in in they're, they're they're shaking the owners down for information and once they figure out like why are the owners fixated on that game it's around 50 well that's where the sweet spot is right. that's where the revenue matches the salaries that are prorated. Why are they willing to go to 81? Well, because they know that that's the sweet spot for the quality of a season and for the prelude to a playoffs where the jackpot is. So how do the players maximize the the return on an 81 game schedule? Well, they raise it up. They say, well, we want to pay 114, right? And play, And then owners counter and say, no, we want to play around 50. Well, what's the midpoint? at 82 again. So how do they get there? Prorated salaries, deferred salaries. What are we looking at there? I mean, I think, like I said, I I think it's these wild swings, lots of frustration, but it's like it's leaking out play by play. It's, It's like we're in the third inning, and every pitch has been headlines as opposed to waiting till the seventh to see when things really get going.
1: Derek Gould, our guest from SDLtoday.com and the St. Louis Post Dispatch covering the Cardinals. Um, it, it, it's interesting, though, if you're going to get to 82 games, y- you got to yeah. start. Uh, and, it, and by the way, the deal has to get ratified. So if you agree to a deal this weekend, it still has to yeah. get ratified. That takes time. Uh, I'm really starting to doubt whether we see 82 games, especially if the owners are insistent because of the potential of a second wave of the coronavirus hitting that, uh, and they won't play beyond October that you're going to get 82 games in.
4: Well, I mean, yes, that is the, you know, they don't want to play past the end of October that uh, owners have said that on the record. Um, They've said that multiple times. They're, they're, their fear of a second wave shutting the thing down before the riches of the postseason is legit. Um, I would counter then maybe be creative about how you deal with the postseason, right? Like if if you need neutral site, why is that off the map for yeah. World Series? Um, you know if you if um, you know basketball is going till October 17th. Um, you know football will be insist that it will be in full swing by then. College football wants to be playing in November, so is your reason for not wanting to get into November because you don't want to overlap with football? Well, that's not cool. that That's not the reason. Is it health? Then, okay, let's talk about that and let's figure out, you know, how, if there's a creative alternative to that. I still think they'll like, like July 15th, July 14th, which is still more than a month away and players are, are ramping up in preparation for that first week of July, second week of July start. Um, you know, if you have a, a way to get off the ground and launch around July 15, you can still do the 82 games.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be double headers. It would be some ways to kind of cram it in, but uh, you would yeah. do it. In terms yep. of what the roster may look like, you know, we've had a lot of talk about the 50 guys that you'd have in a taxi squad. I'm curious. Right. Let's just talk about what may happen on the field. What happens to a Dylan Carlson in this type of situation? And do clubs, as it pertains to a guy like Dylan or a top prospect, do they get added to a forty-man and start their clock, or do you think teams just say, "No, no, no, this is an outlier. We want, to, we don't want to do that. We don't want to waste it." What do you, What do you think about that?
4: I think it depends on the team. Um, I think you're going to see some. I think you're going to see some fascinating decisions yeah. based on what a team um, has put into 2020 and what a team wants to get out of 2020 um some things and dylan carlson as an example right like first of all we need to know the rules we need to know how service time will work right will this will a 50 game or an 82 game schedule Will that be considered a full year and there, thus for a full year of service time for a lot of guys it is i mean it's going to be a full year off the contract right but for a young guy being in the majors, is that 50 days of service time? Is that 82 days of service time, or is each game some prorated number of a 183 days in in um, in the majors? If so, then you might see you know teams put like a Dylan Carlson on the taxi squad, right, so that he's available. And then whatever it is, games in eight games, twelve games in, have him come up because they've minimized that window, you know, the impact, and that way they could get the extra year of control. Teams will do that. Um, you know, there there will be some teams, and the Cardinals are in this group, where if you say, all right, who are your best 30 players? Who are your be- What's your best 30-man roster um, without service time being included? You know, Dylan Carlson would obviously be in it. Sure. I think there's an argument that um, that Zach Thompson would be on it. Absolutely. From this past year, Cody Whitley would be on it. Yep. Um, those are three guys that are not on the forty-man. Um, so, if service time is not an issue and winning is the issue, then you'd see those three guys on it, right? Um, but how do they get there? I think I think there are some teams. Um, you know, San Diego is one where if they made a 30-man roster out of their best available players, they would be a contender uh, a lot quicker, They especially in the short season. Um, but do they want to get there? And, and what do the rules allow them to do? And then on the other end, I think you have teams like the Cubs who when Whew, boy, when rosters open up and they're able to make moves, are they going to divest themselves of some of those salaries? Well, Here's are the qui- gonna, th- Here's the other dumb? question,
1: though. I-, I-, I would say the answer is yes, but then who's going to want to pay some of those guys in this pandemic? Well,
4: well, that brings us to the Dodgers, who have invested a lot in winning in 2020. Um, they have yet to have a game for Mookie Betts. Right. Um, that-, that was their guy. They have yet to have a game pitched by David Price. Um, they have a high salary, they have a high payroll, they have no revenue, and they have a lot of a lot of interest in winning a World Series. And they've already lost um, half of one of Clayton Kershaw's final years. So I I don't you know where are the Dodgers in this? I mean the Dodgers you you would imagine have a pretty good nest egg, a pretty good buffer, as well, good as any team, which isn't great. I mean these teams are not getting revenue um but you figure the dodgers have some wealth to pull off something or at least can you know can try to go all in but do they want to on 2020 i i I mean i think they're in a fascinating spot because they have put such an emphasis on this year um and they're gonna lose the you know the all-star game we don't talk about that yeah you know um though though you know that that's an interesting kind of tag along with these conversations is the uh, the players' willingness to do something creative with the All Star Game, such as play it at the end, Dare- um, for added revenue, which I think would be an interesting look.
1: So let's size it up: um, yes or no? If a season, how many games, and is this a prelude to a work stoppage coming up next year, when there's even more leverage going into the final year of a CBA?
4: Great questions. Um, I I will I will hazard um, I will hazard a few guesses. Uh, you know, I, I, I think there's too much pressure. Um, it's, you know, again, you can see the outlines in the negotiation. I think there's too much pressure for there not to be baseball this year. Um, I think both sides realize the pain is not worth, um, you know, walking away from an entire season. So they are both motivated to have a season. Um, I don't know the length. I mean, that, that that it sure seems like somewhere in that 80s is where they're going to land. Um, it's can they can they raise the financial balloon just enough to make both sides happy in that regard? Um, but it's it does seem like that's at least um, um, that's at least the middle the midpoint that they could find an agreement if the finances can get there. And I, I think I think this is all prelude for how the conversations are going to go. Um, but I have not heard anything from players about how they um, they want to lose games to make a point. Um, they don't want to do it now during a pandemic, during a pair of national crises. They don't want to do it in general. Um, I do think that this has been a galvanizing experience for the players. And they needed it um, coming out of... CBA. This, these negotiations and where they want them to go and how they're approaching them has, has really fortified the union in a way that, uh, that they needed it over several years. Um, I actually think that sets up well for um, the next CBA because the motivation for the players is to um, make the market as big and lucrative as possible um, and get more of the revenue that the player, that the owners are taking in um, and alter how young players are paid. Yes, um, because young players have a larger voice than ever. Um, I think those are all positives, and I and I don't think the owners are going to be resistant to that. I, there's, there's, it's going to be bruising. There's going to be leaks like this. There's going to be back and forth. There's going to be, you know, big headlines and gossip and all of that. It's just that's just the way baseball is. But I think the the unity within the union and the awareness of the young players, those are positives for the game not going through a work stoppage.
1: Awesome stuff, Derek. And I loved reading your report on the minor leagues this past week in the post-dispatch and, and getting an idea of where the future, uh, where it is right now, where it is in the minor leagues and, and the positions and the pitchers. They're well-suited, so you did a great job covering that and breaking it down for uh, for baseball fans here in town, and I appreciate your time as always. Thanks, man.
4: Thanks, Dan. Look forward to seeing you in a ballpark at some point soon.
1: That's Derek Gould coming up. You'll hear a conversation that I had this morning with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman on Carricker and Smallman. That's next on 101 ESPN. More
0: of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report. With Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia.
1: Final segment on the Redbird Report. Earlier this morning, I was a guest of Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman. Of course, they have Carricker and Smallman 7 to 10 every day right before Scoops with Danny Mac at 10. That's daily on 101 ESPN. And so I do a baseball hit with them. That's on Mondays. On Wednesdays, it's with ribs and bk and then the fast lane on friday and the conversation this morning well no doubt about it you guessed it it was about trying to get baseball back on the field we will have baseball this year i i firmly believe that now the the problem is is that if the owners just slam down the 48 or 50 game proposal All bets are off on what the season may look like. You know, you could have, let's say, a great example would be George Springer, who's a free agent-to-be, and George goes out and says, yeah, sure, I'll be there. He plays one day, or Mookie Betts, another free agent-to-be, and uh, they play one day, and you know what? My hammy hurts, Uh, got a bad elbow, having some neck problems. Boy, those neck problems just uh, went for the 50 games that we were supposed to play, and lo and behold, I'm a free agent. I mean, I, I could see those kind of things happening Uh, with the season and you just wonder about the viability of a 48 or 50 game season as opposed to even though it's not great an 81 game season and if you had an 81 game season there would be give and take to make that happen if it's a 48 or 50 game season the union gets their prorated salaries the owners don't have to pay as, uh, as much for the games and it's it's all over and the players easily could say at that point, by the way, you wanted us to wear mics during games? Nope, that's not gonna happen. You wanted fourteen teams into postseason play? Nope. We're just gonna do ten. And it and it it really it just goes back and forth and then it sets up what my real concern is what could happen in spring of twenty twenty one. And uh pray to god that we have a vaccine or something that allows us to gather next spring um and you have a quote unquote normal season but remember they're going into another labor dispute after that year so it does kind of set the stage for that too
2: dan i know you probably don't have the answer to this but after you've just laid everything out so eloquently about all all of the things that could happen if a deal doesn't you gotta
1: remember michelle (laughs) hold on you gotta remember this is what I do for my life. This is what I've dedicated my life to outside my family. So I read everything. Yes. Okay. I read everything. I talk to people. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. And, uh, I know you're going into another question. It's just I'm fully ve- invested in this. Right. So you know, I'm I'm sick. I, I got to get away from it. But anyway, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say the way that you just laid that out, these are, these are the concerns that baseball fans have. We are sitting here sure. saying, what is it, what is it going to look like if you guys don't come to some sort of a resolution here? And if it's just forced and it, it, it could just be really bad. Even if they do play, do you think that owners have realized that they've come to the point in these conversations where they're going to have to consider everything that you just laid out and really be sure and careful, with the next proposal or the next thing that they say to the Players Association?
1: It's a great question. The damage has been done in in certain respects. For instance, a guy like myself that is fully invested in this sport, make a living off the sport. I love the sport. I don't want to see anything happen to it in a negative manner. Um, A guy like me that is, or even a fan, that's just diving into the news and watching the – here's the thing. I mean, there's nothing else going on. So when you have these leaks – they make major headlines where before, if you didn't have um, the coronavirus and they were going into a labor dispute, yeah, you'd hear some leaks, but it wouldn't take on the greater importance that it has because nothing else you know, distracts us. I think that the casual fan, and it is, I think, a fascinating question. If, if they came out today and said, we've got baseball, we all have short memories. We really do. And I think the casual fan, and it's it's really interesting what I hear when I go out and people talk to me like, well, wait a minute, baseball's coming back, right? Like, they don't have a, any understanding of what's going on with this stuff. That if baseball comes back, um, a good majority of the fans kind of live and forget, right? They say, well, there's some bickering going on, and uh, they got through it. They played a season. wasn't great. But now we look forward to a full year in 2021 and bygones be bygones, where When you're fully invested into it, like we are, um, we see these things and it worries us. And I hope I'm explaining that well. I I think Mm -hmm. the casual fan will sit there and say, well, it's happened before, but they're playing, so I'm in. Where those that are fully invested uh, realize that there's there's some real problems on the horizon. And it goes back for many, many years in labor disputes. But most recently in 2016, when the labor agreement was extended, I, I, you know, looking at it now in retrospect, to me, the players got taken to the woodshed and they don't want that to happen again.
5: And, Dan, with that being the case, it, it appears the power behind the throne of the Players Association is Scott Boris. And this is just a perception thing for me because he played the game. I, I know that he likes baseball players, but it doesn't seem to me that he really cares about the sport or the future of the sport. He's really concerned about the money that he's making right now or that the contracts that his players get. But with his actions and statements over the course of the last several years, it doesn't really seem like he's a guy that cares about people's emotional investments in the game, the people that are paying the salaries, the, the customers, the fans of the game.
1: I find it interesting that it was about a month ago, he wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, and I don't know if you guys read that, but it talked about how baseball can be um, a saving grace through such a tough time for all of us, and this is before social unrest. This is just dealing with the coronavirus and a shutdown, and baseball, wouldn't it be great to see them back out on Independence Day on July 4th, and the first, first sport back and yada, yada, yada. And then two weeks later, when he found out guys were going to get a lot of cut in their salary, the tone changed real quickly. Um, Follow the money. I mean, on both sides, that's what this is about. And it's unfortunate that when we have the various things that I just said, coronavirus, social unrest, so much unemployment, that baseball really could provide a nice outlet. It won't be what you're used to seeing. I mean, the KBO games are not the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. Part of it is because I don't know the players. The other part is there's no fans in the stands. You're watching baseball. It's like going to a, a American Legion game. <laughs> but if you're watching Paul DeYoung and Paul Goldschmidt and Colton Wong and Max Scherzer and Bryce Harper, you know, that's that's pretty cool. And it'd be fun to see. And maybe as we go along, there'd be some fans in the stands before it's all said and done. But uh, to, your, to your point, Randy, I, I just... I hope they understand that, that there are a lot of people frustrated with this. I would like to think that they do, and I mean all, players, agents, owners, um, front office personnel, because the sport is just getting beat up publicly, and I, I hate to see it. I love this sport. It's a great sport, and it really, in St. Louis, defines what we do. I, the great test will be, in my in my opinion, is that if there is no – baseball this year and again i think we will have some semblance of a season is watch what happens in st louis what will the crowds be like next year now this is arguably the best baseball town in the world and if fans don't come out my goodness could you imagine what's going to happen in cincinnati and pittsburgh and tampa and baltimore and some of the places that have other things that they do in the summer this is what we do in the summer for a lot of people you know, they may go to a lake, they play golf, they barbecue, they go to the Ozarks, whatever the case may be. But they, I guarantee you, the casual fan will go to a game or two. This is what we do, and so if fans don't come back here, that's what would really worry me.
5: By the way, Dan, you talk about people who just have an incredible passion for the sport, and you brought up the the KBO games. Uh, Patrick Carricker has ordered an NC Dinos cap that's on its way. God love him. He watches. That's awesome. He he stays up until like 4:30 in the morning watching the the Dinos every night.
1: I watched the replays. They, they. By the way, did you guys? I don't know if you've seen this, but they put um, stuffed animals and stuff, yeah, you great. know, in the in the stands, and it did look like if you were just kind of flipping through the TV. It was like, oh, they got fan. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> what
3: the hell is that?
1: You know, there's a giraffe in the front row. I mean, it was it was kind of crazy looking, but um, the games have been entertaining still for me. Yeah. And maybe it's just because there's nothing else going on, and I. I don't really binge watch a lot of things anyway. With four kids, I'm running all over the place. So, um, I, But I will stop and watch a baseball game. Hell, I, I sat there. There was somebody, I think it might have been Trey Young, played in a pickup game the other day, and it was on social media. And I sat and watched that. I mean, that's we want sports. Sports is
5: important. Competition, I, man. We're addicted to competition.
1: We are, and I, I hope we can pull this thing off. I'm concerned when I see what happened at Alabama with five players tested positive, the you know, the coronavirus, and uh, Oklahoma State had it. And, you know, we can talk about all these sports coming back. The virus will dictate whether or not it happens. Uh, the NBA is going to come out this week with a litany. Apparently it's over 100 pages of safety guidelines of coming back. We saw MLB's was at 67. It can be done, um, but, man, I just – I just uh, I, I don't like to see the sport getting beat up, and I, I think that's where we're at right now. That does it for the Redbird Report. We do this every Monday at 6 on 101 ESPN. As always, thanks for joining us. I'm Dan McLaughlin. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on Scoops with Danny Mack.